Hello again. This is Edwin Crozier of the Franklin Church of Christ. Today we want to take a look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. What a very interesting verse in which Paul said, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. What did he mean by that, and how can we say it? Open your Bibles with me to Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21, and let's learn what it means to be able to say, To live is Christ, and to die is gain. I've never been in prison, and I can't fathom or imagine what that must be like. But one of the things that most amazes me about Paul is when I take a look at his writings in Scripture, and I remember that some of these letters that were written, he wrote while imprisoned, as he was held captive by the Romans. And yet at the time I believe he wrote this, he was given some freedoms to be able to meet with his friends, yet still recognizing that his, his life was in the hands of his judges. And he recognized that he was put in prison wrongly, and that didn't seem to bother anybody. And so it wouldn't bother them if they put him to death wrongfully. And so as he sits there, despite his ability to teach and all the good things that he saw coming out of it, he still could look in the future and see that he might live and he might die. But Philippians chapter 1 and verse 20 just impresses me. Because Paul in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 20 says, According to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything, but with all boldness Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether in life or by death. What a phenomenal statement that Paul could make. He said, no matter what happens, whether I live or whether I die, Christ is going to be exalted by whatever happens with me from now on out. And then he goes on, and in just a verse following that, he says, for to me, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. He could look at both sides of this. To live is Christ but to die is gain. What a powerful statement made there. And my question is for us today, can we make this statement? Can I make it? Can you make it? To live is Christ, but to die is gain. And because he had this faith that to live is Christ and to die is gain, he was able to say, no matter what happens to me, whether I live, whether I die, God is going to be glorified by what goes on in my life or death. And that's what we need to emulate. We need to be there. And so I just want us to consider this statement for just a few moments this morning and then take a look at our lives and see how we measure up here. Before we do that, would you bow with me in prayer, please? Glorious Father in heaven, we are amazed and in awe by your servant Paul and the example that he set for us. And we pray that you would strengthen us, that we could have the same attitude, that we could make the same statement, that to live is Christ and to die is gain. And we pray that you would strengthen us to live in a way that pleases and honors and glorifies you. And as much as we're amazed and in awe at your servant Paul, we're amazed and in awe even more by your Son, Jesus Christ, and by the love that you had in sending Him to us, and the Spirit as you sent Him and revealed your Word that we might know how to serve and glorify you. And we pray that you'd be with us and help us that whether we live or whether we die, that you will be glorified in our bodies, in our minds, and in our actions. We pray these things in your Son's name. Amen seems like a very simple statement. I just kind of want to take it one step at a time. We're going to start at the end, though. I want you to note that when Paul start, said this, he said that to die 
is gain. How many of us view death as gain? And yet that's exactly the way Paul viewed it. I've been surprised as I've studied this off and on through the years at some of the commentators and some of the times that they would spend trying to squirm and wiggle around this as if they thought Paul might possibly be, be selfish and just thinking about himself and they're trying to defend him and say that it's really okay for him to, to feel this way. Well, of course it's okay. Look at what Paul says about these issues in other places. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul said this, We know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven, inasmuch as we, having put it on, will not be found naked. For indeed while we are in this tent we groan, being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed, so that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. Now He who prepared us for this very purpose is God who gave us the Spirit as a pledge. He says, we're looking forward to this time when we'll cast off this tent and have the heavenly dwelling, have the heavenly clothes, the eternal immortality. He said, we're looking forward to that. Look in Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 18. In Romans 8 and verse 18, Paul wrote, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope, that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved. But hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. What's Paul saying? He said, we're looking forward to that day when we get to leave this earth and we get to go be with God. We're groaning for that. We're longing for that. Paul didn't consider it selfishness to want to leave the temptations and the struggles and trials of this earth and to go be with God. He saw it as the natural hope of every Christian that we look forward to that. And there in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 20, Paul said, therefore, to die is gain. It wasn't selfishness. It was God's promised hope that death for us is gain. It was gain for Paul because of the things that he would give up when he died. Here he is in a world of temptation. Paul was not perfect. He was not Superman. He was just like us. And every day he had temptations. Can't you imagine? Don't you know how that weighs down on us and look forward to a time we give up all those temptations and we don't have them anymore. Paul dealt with the trials and the persecutions and those who oppressed him and looked down upon him and those who, who he was an outcast because of them and he was going to get to leave all of that behind. And so he says, death is gain. I think about the thorn in the flesh that he had in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse 7, Paul wrote, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason... To keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. 
And He has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weakness, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul certainly said that God's grace was sufficient for him. He would live with that. But he still had the thorn in the flesh. And he still had all those negative things that were going on in his life. Don't you know that he was looking forward to the day when they would finally and ultimately be removed? As the Hebrew writer spoke of it in Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did so from his. Paul was looking forward to his Sabbath rest. To the time when the work would be over and he would be able to rest in God. And so to him, death would be gained. But it wasn't just gained because of what he would give up. It was also gained because of what he would receive. What would be added to him. There in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 23, he says, I'm hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ. I recognize, of course, that in a sense we're in the presence of God right now. And by faith, we see that. But can't you just imagine how powerful and amazing it'll be when it's no longer something that we see by faith, but it's something that we see by sight. When we're with Jesus and we know it because there He is and we can see Him. Paul said that is so much better. To be with Christ. What a comforting thought. No wonder at the end of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul said that we could comfort one another with the idea that we will be with Christ forever. And Paul was looking forward to that. Because Paul was looking forward to being with the one who is absolutely the most important person in his life. Paul was not necessarily looking forward to being shed of all the family relationships he had here. But he was looking forward to being connected and being together with the one who was absolutely most important. Jesus Christ. And we remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10. As he talked about our relationships with one another. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Because we've got to love God more. And again, Paul was not excited about giving up family relationships, but he was excited about getting to be with that one who is more important than every other relationship. And so to him, death was gain. But as we take a look there at Philippians chapter 1, we need to recognize that this was not some type of suicidal tendency. This was not an issue of where life was just miserable and awful and he saw no hope and he just wanted to get out of it so he had suicidal thoughts. He said he was, he was caught between a rock and a hard place. He was torn asunder. He could see the, the good in both sides of it. He not only wanted to die because that was better, he also wanted to go ahead and live, he says, because that would be Christ. His death was gained, but living would be Christ. Living would benefit Christ. Would benefit Christ's work. He says in verse 22, 
Philippians chapter 1. But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. And I do not know which to choose. He recognized that when he died, he would get to go be with Christ. He would be rid of all these problems and these hassles down here. But that would be it as far as his fruitful labor in the earth. He would never again baptize anybody else. He would never again teach anybody else. He would never again be able to glorify God on this earth for others to see and be impacted. He says, if I get to stick around here a little bit longer, that'll be fruitful labor for me. John chapter 15 and verse 8. John chapter 15 and verse 8, My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be My disciples. Think about what this says about Paul. Paul is in prison because he's been trying to have fruitful labor. And what he says is, if I live on and I get out of this mess, I'm going to keep on keeping on. I'm going to keep on preaching the Gospel. I'm going to keep on talking to people. I'm going to keep on baptizing people. I'm going to keep on bringing people to Christ. He says, if I live on, it means more fruitful labor. What a powerful insight into Paul's character. We flip back over into Philippians chapter 1. and verse 24, he says, Yet to remain on the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Isn't that interesting? He says the reason why he's wanting to stick around is not because of him, but because of others. It's necessary for your sake. Because of all this work he'll be able to do among them. I am really humbled by this. Because I've had these similar thoughts with Paul where I thought that, you know, I I wish it would just all end. I'm ready for it to all be over. So we can go on to heaven and not have to deal with all this mess down here. But then there's also that part of me that says I want to stick around here. But you know, sadly, it's not ever because I sit there and think about all the good things I can do for others. It's typically I'm thinking about what I'm afraid I'll miss out on. I think to myself, you know, I, I really wouldn't mind dying, but you know... I really would like to see my kids graduate and my grandkids. And, oh, I would like to take that European vacation someday. And, oh, I would like to have this and I would like to do that. And look at all these things that I'll miss out on if I were to just up and die right now. But I take a look at Paul and there was none of that selfishness. When he thought about sticking around, it was about what he would be able to continue to do for Jesus. It was about what he could continue to do for other people. And he said, so it's hard for me because, boy, if... You know, for me, I'd like to just go on and be with Christ. But for you, I'd like to stick around and work and help and serve Jesus some more and bear fruit that glorifies Him. And Paul said to live is Christ and to die is gain. What an amazing coupling that is. And yet, as we think about that, there's one other thing that's occurred to me recently as I've studied this passage that I hadn't thought about in time past in reading this over and over again. But it occurred to me, you take a look at this statement and and look at what Paul was able to say. He's able to say, death is good for me. But why can he say death is good for him? I'll tell you why. He can say that death is gain because he could say that living was Christ. If our living is not Christ then our dying will not be gain. The two halves of the statement in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21 are inextricably linked together. Paul's death would be gain because Paul's life was Christ. Because Paul's life was Christ, his death would be gain. But if Paul's life had not been Christ, if to live was not Christ in his life, then to die would not be gain. 
How many Christians want the last half of this statement? How many of us want to be able to say, to die is gain? And yet, how many are not willing to live as Christ? We have to have both parts of the statement. Or neither part will be true. Because Paul was most focused on bearing fruit that glorified Christ. Because Paul was most focused on serving his brethren. Paul was convicted that when he died, it would be gained to him. And that's where we need to be. Can we say the first half? Can I say, for to me, to live is Christ? Because if I can't, I can't say the second half. We take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 5. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 5, Paul talked about the Macedonians and their ability to give beyond their means when the brethren were in need. And he said, they did this not as we had expected in 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 5, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. Why were they able to serve? Because they had given themselves to God. For them to live was Christ. And so these guys could say to die was gain. Think about Colossians chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Paul said in Colossians 3 and verse 3, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. Have we died in Christ? So that our lives are hidden in Christ? When people look at us, they're not really seeing us. They're seeing Christ and how He would live. The ones about whom Paul was writing here in Colossians chapter 3, verse 3 and 4, they could say to die is gain because for them living was Christ. I think about Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, Paul wrote, I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. Paul said, this is who's living here. It's not me anymore. Christ is living in me. And that was why he was able to say that if I live on, it'll mean more fruitful labor because this isn't me living. This is Christ living through me. I'm just doing things Christ's way. I'm going to do whatever He wants. And so that would be beneficial for you because I'm going to be serving you, Paul said. And because He had died and Christ was living in Him, He was able to say that death would be gained. And so, what an amazing verse Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21 is. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. I want to be able to say, to die is gain. And I know you do as well. And we need to remember that if we want to say, death is gain, then we have to be able to say, to live is Christ. And so we have to ask, can we say that? Can I say it? Can you say it? For to me, to live is Christ. 
It's not easy, it's a struggle. It's certainly a growth process. There's no statement that, oh, I'll become a Christian and immediately I will be just as completely mature as Paul was. I'm not saying that. It's a struggle. It's something that we grow in. something we continue working on. But as we look out, we look at today and we realize, of course, that, you know, on the way home today, we might die. But then again, we might not. We might live. If we continue living on tomorrow, will God be able to look at us and say, you know what, I want them to live because that will mean fruitful labor. Because that will mean glory for my name. Could God say that about us? I take a look at the Philippians and realize that they must have been struggling with these issues. Paul is certainly trying to encourage them because you take a look at Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12 and he says to them in Philippians 2.12, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. He's pointing out, this is done with a lot of fear and trembling. Why is it done with fear and trembling? Because we realize as much as we do, we, we haven't done enough. There's no point in this in which we'll be able to say, that's it, I've done it, now I get to go to heaven and God owes it to me and I don't have to do anymore. And so it's with fear and trembling. Am I doing enough? And yet at the same time, despite the fear and trembling, as we're working out our salvation, we have confidence that we're not doing this by ourselves. If we were doing it by ourselves, we just have to have abject fear and trembling because we couldn't do it. But God is at work with us. And you remember Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20? Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. To Him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all that we ask or think by the power working in us. We take a look at this, and when it comes to our salvation, when it comes to our living being Christ, and therefore our dying being gained, we realize by ourselves we can't do it, but we're not by ourselves. God is with us. And when we lean on Him, He can do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all that we ask for Him. He can guide us and strengthen us. And when we're in that kind of relationship with God, then we also will be able to say, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Simple lessons, yet very profound. Paul could say that his death would be gain. He could say that living for him was Christ. What we need to learn is that if we want to be able to say our death is gain, that we'll be going to heaven, that we'll be with Christ, and it'll be better for us when this life is over, then we have to be able to say that our living is Christ. Powerful lesson from Paul. Let's apply it to our lives. Let's live as Christ would have us live. If you have any questions about how to live as Christ, how your death can be gained, if you have any questions about the Franklin Church of Christ or anything else that you've heard us teach, please feel free to call us at 615-794-2359 or you may contact us through our website at www.franklinchurchofchrist.com. Perhaps someone has given you this lesson. If so, let me invite you to come to that website. Again, it's franklinchurchofchrist.com. We have numerous lessons and articles that you can download and study and pass to your friends and family and do whatever you would like with, so long as it glorifies God and draws people closer to Him. May God richly bless you as you draw closer to Him, but more importantly, may you richly bless God.